Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. And this is not just Radio Gaga. The guys play the game Arkham Horror 3rd Edition, where we were not the champions. Don't stop me now. Plus, they review Shadows Amsterdam. They are under pressure to deliver a good episode. Vanessa. What? I just want to let you know you're my best friend. You don't fool me. Welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 158. That's 158. I'm going slightly mad. I'm Tony. And this is Marty. And that, of course, for those who don't know, is a song by the incredible band Queen, who all have degrees, high-level degrees, kind of like me and Marty, and who <laughs> who have also, a movie has just come out, Bohemian Rhapsody, which there is a ton of trivia about for those of you who don't know it, but more than importantly, this song is all about a recent game we got to play, Arkham Hara, and the fact that Marty went and saw Bohemian Rhapsody, and I've yet to see it, but what did you think? I rarely, if ever, ask you to pick a group or song or whatever. And this was one of those things that right after I saw the movie, I reached out to you and said, can you please pick a queen song for this one? I didn't really care which one. And when I saw the one you picked, I thought, oh, that is so perfect with the fact that we're going to be talking about Arkham Horror, which is all about going insane. I'm going slightly mad, uh, which is a song off their last album in 91, um, Innuendo. That is correct. Right before uh, Freddie Mercury passed away. So we went and saw the premiere of Bohemian Rhapsody, Made My Entire Family, on Thursday night. This is one of those movies that if you're a Queen fan, Tony, I highly highly recommend going to see it is very well done you'll learn a lot about uh, the band and the guy who played freddie mercury was absolutely spot on he did an incredible job i've been watching the um, trailers in the movies for for i don't know i guess six months and when it first hit i said wait a minute that looks like really they did a movie i didn't even know this movie was coming out so i have been waiting patiently for this movie to hit the theaters and i am very excited i cannot wait to see it matter of fact i to build up to this i've been watching a lot of youtube and the video for i'm going slightly mad <laughs> that is one weird video they did a lot of weird ones but even this one was kind of strange uh you know what? i can't picture what that video was well, about it's, it's all black and white freddie's dressed up uh it was just very strange. I don't remember, you know, I don't, I don't remember it when it originally came out. I get this channel now on um, AT&T U-verse that's called Axis. Do you get that channel? I do not. All right. So I did not know I got this channel. It plays various concerts and documentaries about various bands. Mm-hmm. And they just recently had for an hour long show, they did where Queen went to Budapest. It was amazing. He, Freddie was incredible and that was an oh man to have been at that concert after the wall fell oh amazing yeah and it's one of those things that is as a queen fan i was really sad uh when the movie is over basically it's not really spoiling anything it takes you through live aid oh okay and and then does one of the things where it tells you kind of what happens the band uh through the years and for those who don't know freddie mercury died of a, a hiv related pneumonia and the thing was, is he found out that he had AIDS in 87, but didn't publicly come out with it until 91. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he didn't publicly announce it until 24 hours before he passed away. Right. And I remember that year distinctively because I was working uh, where you work now, Tony. I was working at what was then Duke Power. And I was in Pittsburgh for a month-long training session on the rod control system of a nuclear plant. Which could be a very exciting game on how to move <laughs> rods up and down and crow and keep a reactor from blowing up, just speculating. Exactly. So I was stuck in uh, uh, Pittsburgh in February in the middle of winter. And this album came out and I had a rental car and I said, I, I got to have some music or something. So I went and bought this album. And it was a album. It was a cassette because the rental car had a cassette player. And everywhere I went, I listened to that album. And it's one of those things that you don't. It doesn't get a lot of recognition. Uh, it's one of those that wasn't greatly critically acclaimed or anything like that. But it's a solid, solid album. It's kind of a throwback to their older stuff. But I loved it. And when 
uh, he passed away in November. It it really bothered me. And then I went back and listened to Innuendo and the last song that they did on that album, The Show Must Go On. Wow. It's like he knew that was probably his last album. And the last song that he put on the album was The Show Must Go On, which is, uh, it's just hard to listen to. In fact, on Friday last week after the movie, I was starting to listen to Innuendo. And it's just all these rushes of memories of 91 and, and all this. I couldn't even get to the album because it was just so flipping depressing. There have been very few celebrities that when they passed away kind of affected me. Mm-hmm. He was one. Whether you're a huge fan of Queen or not, I think everybody probably likes at least one Queen song, right? Oh, yeah. They're just one of those bands that have so many different types of songs. Probably every, like, everybody has like, oh, I do like that one. Oh, yeah. I completely agree. And everybody, even if you don't know the words, you pretend you know the words to We Will Rock You. <laughs> you know, buddy. Blood on your face. Big disgrace. Singing We <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every everybody can can do at least a little bit of that song, and oh, just and then the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody was brought back because of gentleman in the film Mike Myers doing it in Wayne's World, and mm-hmm. I, you know, my wife and I were discussing. My wife's like, I don't remember that. And I'm like, I distinctly, even when I was young, remember listening to that. So. It's an incredible band. If you haven't listened to any of their music, quick, go out to YouTube, just type in Queen, start clicking on songs. And well, one of, one of my favorite is from the Highlander. Oh, uh, don't tell me it's, um, it's, uh, it's not just a kind of magic. No, it would be, um, oh my gosh, what's the big one from Highlander? Tell me, what is it? No, keep, keep thinking. I think you will, it'll come to you. Um, it's, um, oh my gosh, I can't get this show must go on out of my head. And it was from the album. It's a kind of magic. Uh, who wants to live forever? That's it. Ta-da! Ta-da! And it's one of those things, we grew up with Queen, you know? It was like, they were there when we were born, and then they were with us for decades, and they never changed band members, mm-hmm. which was amazing, which is which is unheard of. So I'm sorry, I know we've gone a lot about Queen, but I was so torn up over that movie. It's like, please do a Queen song, because I just kind of want to give a, a tribute to them. And, and Brian May is an amazing musician. And what's so funny is... The guy who played Brian May in the movie looked more like Brian May than the guy who played Freddie Mercury. Really? I, me and Adam were like, holy crap. Could They couldn't have got a person that looked any more like Brian May, who, who is the guitarist. You know, I was talking about celebrities who affected me when they die. The three other people that when they passed away, I, I, was, I was like, oh, that hurt. One, I think it was around, Tony, around 91 or 92 when Jimmy Valvano passed away. Okay. He was like 92 or 93. He is the basketball coach for NC State. Jim Henson. Mm, mm-hmm. That's one that when he passed away, who did the Muppets, Sesame Street and all that, kind of really bummed me out. I didn't realize it. And the most recently of all people, Harold Ramis. Oh, uh, Ghostbusters. Yes. Director. Ghostbusters mm-hmm. in so many movies from the 80s. It was like all these people kind of affected my childhood in some sort of way. And when they were gone, it was just kind of sad to for them to go and it's interesting here you like your little travel stories i was in london when david bowie passed away Mm -hmm. and you talking about a country going into mourning and it was sad it was sad to be there and see all the memorials and the tv stations and radio stations did nothing but play david bowie songs all day long he was a big deal to me too but just just not to the effect that like freddie mercury was so that's enough depressing stuff right now but uh, thank you for picking a queen song it's um Ah, they'll always be one of my favorite. And, and all weekend long, we've been playing. We've been saying, hey, Alexa, play some Queen for us. There you go. And the, you talk about the Live Aid at Wembley. To be the band that followed Queen after that <laughs> performance, <laughs> you're screwed. You were so, oh, you might, that, that was, with mic drops had been invented back then, boom, that's it. Live Aid's over, y'all. Just send your money in later. I mean, oh. Amazing. I will say, if if you go see the movie, go read uh, articles that fact check the movie because there's stuff in there that they really changed. Even when the movie was over, I looked at Vanessa and going, something doesn't add up on the timeline in their story. And I went and looked it up myself and I went, yeah, I knew they did. They did some, they took some dramatic liberties. Well, they should. After you watch it, go read, go fact check it because it's not exactly accurate. And you really need to know what, what really happened. Last tidbit, because you brought it up. When Michael Myers uh, did the movie for Wayne's World, originally the script had the scene in the car. They were doing it to Guns N' Roses. Welcome to the Jungle. Welcome to the Jungle. 
Mm-hmm. Mike Myers said, growing up, he always had banged a Bohemian Rhapsody. He said, no, I've, I've got to do Bohemian Rhapsody. And uh, Lauren Michaels, who was from SNL, who produced the movie, said, no, 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 it's going to be Guns N' Roses. And Mike Myers said, you know what? It's either Bohemian Rhapsody or I'm walking off the set. And Lauren Michaels said, let me get this straight. You, who've never done a movie, who may never do another movie again, is willing to walk off this movie over a song? And Michael Myers went, yep. And Lauren Michaels said, all right, must mean that much to you. So they made it Bohemian Rhapsody and history was made. Yep. Boom. There it goes. So let's let's liven things up. If you're a member of the Rolling Dice and Taking Names pod pledge backers and you're ever on our Slack channel, lighten your mood over there because our good buddy T.R. Knight, who does a lot of editing on rule books, has just recently posted a gif of two squirrels doing push-ups. Wait a minute. <laughs> I just pulled it up. Oh my heavens. <laughs> Now, I, now for those of you who oh don't know. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So over in our Podge Pledge Backers channel on Slack, um, Marty has dropped some bomb about having to do push-ups or a 100 push-up challenge or something. I don't know what the devil they're talking about. They've set up this tracking. We've got a hashtag RDTN, death by push-up, that's fixing to happen. I don't know what all that's about. Some other thing. I'm trying to catch up on all this. But Marty, what the heck? Push up? What? It's the holidays, Tony. And during the holidays, I put on weight every stinking year. Well, duh. Who doesn't? I know. But after after Halloween, I got on the scales and I went, no, 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 no. I need to do something physical to try to at least control the weight, at least not try to gain. And it's one of those things that when I, years ago, when I started running, it's like, I could never run a 5K. Well, I found a program and guess what? I eventually ran a 5K. Congrats. Thank you. And then I thought to myself, you know what? There's no way I could ever do 100 push-ups at a time. I found a program over the weekend that said, here's a six-week program to work towards doing 100 push-ups. So I made a little video and posted it and said, hey, would anybody like to join us? And a ton of people uh, have said, you know what? I'll take part of that challenge. Nobody wants to gain weight over the holidays. And so there's a website called 100pushups.com where there's a program that you can follow to work up towards over the course of six weeks of trying to get to 100 push-ups in a row. Now, it doesn't guarantee it, but guaranteed you'll be able to do more push-ups then than than right now. So today's the first day it started. And in our our PodPledge uh, backer channel, which people can join if they want to, they can go to podpledge.com slash RDTN. And there's a backer level for joining that channel, which I highly recommend doing. Somebody came up with the hashtag of hashtag RDN death by push-ups. Today was the first day. I've posted my picture, used the hashtag, and then I'm going to be saving this uh, squirrel gif. And it it will be on Twitter uh, probably later on tonight. Okay. Well, that's great. Y'all enjoy that. There is, I I wish I could participate, but not going to (laughs) happen. Why why not? I'm just not, I just, no. I can't, I'm just happy to wake up, get in my car, drive to work, do my (laughs) 20 minutes of walk. You're, you're a you're a fit person, don't you? Want to get, uh, get more fit? Maybe back in my twenties and thirties, I'm fifty years plus right now. What's one hundred push-ups going to gain me? Is that going to help me mow my grass better? No. Is it going to help me lift my eleven cubic yards of mulch I had to move this weekend? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, probably. Can I tell you 11 cubic yards of mulch is a lot of stinking mulch? Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to picture in my head what 11 cubic yards would look like, and that's a lot of mulch. There will be a picture as part of our splash page when we release the podcast of what 11 cubic yards of mulch. Basically, you know, a standard square in a driveway is 10 by 8. Right. So think of four of those covered in mulch about... Five feet high. And I was like, and Donna's like, well, why didn't you just get 15? I'm like, because I'd probably die at 11 and a half. So I'm good here at 11. So I got all my mulch down, spread it. So, but the good news is all that mulch is keeping me from having to mow a little extra land. And it was free. Oh, well, I had, I had to pay $95 in shipping and they delivered it for me, but it was free because of all the hurricanes. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's free mulch out there to be had? If you lived in Charlotte, they have the mulch centers and they post them for oh free. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You can get up to 15 cubic yards. It was for a week. It was free. Normally it costs you, I forget how much. I 
said, sure, hey, send it my way. But I did play Move the Mulch Pile. It's a game that goes one to 10. You can easily get 10 people around it. it was it a co-op game? Well, it would have been a co-op, but unfortunately, it was one. I played solo, which was sad. Nobody came to join me, but that's all right. I can deal with that. My back was bothering me a little bit this morning, but nothing like a good Aleve can't take care of. Or some push-ups. Push-ups work on your biceps and your shoulders. How does it help your lower back? That's crunches, and that's core. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we've gone about 20 minutes and have yet to talk about a game. We've talked about a lot about Queen, some push-ups, some mulch. Nobody's listening anymore, probably at this point in time. Everybody's going, nope, click. So the big boobacue was this weekend where a lot of people came over to your house and ate some amazing food, got some barbecue. Thank you, Mr. Gibbs. That was incredible. As always, plenty of desserts were to be had. And I think I snacked on candy corn till I was going to puke it. Vanessa put on an an incredible, an incredible event. We had what, uh, 17 people showed up for the event and we just had a blast. There was a ton of games going on. Uh, One of the biggest ones was uh, designer Richard Lanius, who designed the original Arkham Horror was here to teach us Arkham Horror 3rd Edition, which we'll be talking about later. But Tony, there's a lot of smaller games that we got uh, on the table. We kicked off the day by what I was told by our friend Joel Eddy over at Drive Through Review that here's there's a game out from Fantasy Flight, or not Fantasy Flight, but Asthma Day that is codenamed Killer. That's what he calls it. Mm-hmm. And that's Shadows Amsterdam. And we saw this at Gen Con. It was being demonstrated. And when I walked over there and looked at it, I was like, ooh, I could see where this could be a codename skiller. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Just kind of high-level overview, Tony. Wouldn't you say this game is pretty much a mixture of codenames plus Dixit? Yes, I would. And also, uh, oh, God, the... The one that Ignacy showed us at BGG Con that uh, they picked up as well, the um, ghost one where you're a ghost. Mysterium. Mysterium, thank you. Yes, I would say all three of those combined. It's split into two teams, just like code names. The board is really cool. It's like a hex board uh, laid out with a bunch of different tiles with different pictures on it. The two people that are giving clues have a little card to indicate which of the tiles are the ones you're trying to get your teams to guess, much like code names. But the way that you give clues is uh, you have a stack of cards that have pictures and and you give your team a picture and you try to get them to associate the picture that's on the card you gave them with one of the tiles on the board to get them to move to it. Now, if you give them one card, they can move to one adjacent hex. If you give them two cards, they must move two adjacent hexes and hopefully to the one <laughs> that you got the cards kind of indicated towards. If your team lands on the one that uh, that's one of yours, hey, sweet, you got a clue and, and you mark it that, hey, you found one. If you land on a X, on a spot that's an X, that's the police. They found you. That's bad. You get a X. You get a, a police marker marked down. The first team to find all three clues and take it back to the headquarters will win that round. Or... If the if a team finds three lands on three policemen places, then they automatically lose. Now, Tony, the thing is though, this isn't like code names where it's back and forth. It's real time. Unless I'm giving the clues, then it's Tony time. <laughs> <laughs> and by I mean real time, so both teams are playing at once. So yes. the people giving clues are constantly throwing out these cards to their team, and everybody's moving around the board. There's constant chatter. So there's not a lot of downtime except when maybe the person's trying to pick a clue to give. So Tony, what did you think? I think I need to play it again because mm-hmm. my after we played it, you know, three times, I walked yep. away thinking, I'm not feeling the love. I was I'm like, oh, grumpy Tony's coming back. It's, it's, we don't start off barbecue and grumpy Tony mode. So before everybody says, How can you not like this game? Da da da. No, it's not that. I didn't like the real time aspect of it. I didn't enjoy that. I understand it, but I guess I have been conditioned through Mysterium and Codenames and Dixit and all these other games that I'm not ready for the real-time world. I'm, I'm fine in the slow-time world. I'm good with that, you know? <laughs> you like turn-based type games. Yeah. Well, that's funny because one of the appeals to me was the real-time. Because when you're giving clues, you have five, is it five, ten there's, there's a certain number of cards in front of you that you that the clue givers can pick from to give to their teammates. And if you pick one, you replace it with another card. There were several times during our game where both people wanted to use the same card as a clue. And like one person pick it up, the other person go, no! Because now they got to f- try to find another card in its place in order to try to give the clue. 
I do like the fact that actually some of the locations can be won by either team. But as soon as one team claims it, the other one then can no longer claim that spot for for one of the clues. And, and see, I kept losing where my clues were on the and the relationship of the board to the map. I kept wanting to count, go go, put my finger over on the board and go one, two, three, four. Oh, there it is. But I knew that would be wrong because that would indicate where it is. So I kept checking and checking and checking. And I'm like, real time, I'm like, oh, screw this. Here's a clue. Figure it out, people. And that's one of the things that I thought that kind of was a negative to me is the person that's giving the clue with code names, you can just kind of clearly see the words and mm-hmm. don't have to stare too intently. With this game as the clue giver, I found that I was constantly looking at the board and pictures and stuff. And I felt like I was going to give away where I was looking. Mm-hmm. And and likewise, the teams constantly look at the board and you can almost get clues from where they're looking at the board that might can help you out. Right. So with code names, it was easier just kind of take a quick glance at the board and then play the game. Here you're constantly looking at the board. And to me, it was hard to not give away certain places I was looking at, which which kind of knocked it down a little bit for me. I don't know if it's a codenames killer for me, Tony. I think with a group of people I'm wanting to teach a game, I think I could teach codenames quicker. Mm-hmm. I think it would move smoother. Now, with a group of people that I know really well, maybe Shadows Amsterdam would be a more interesting game because of the whole real-time aspect and everything. So to me, I could play either one, but I'm not... I, don't think I'm calling it a codenames killer for me. It, it, it's not a codenames killer for me, definitely. It's one that I will I will play at any time. But this is one where I would probably normally in codenames or Mysterium or any of those, I am happy to be the clue giver. Here, I would not be as excited or jump towards the opportunity to be a clue giver. I would rather sit back and harass the clue giver than anything. It was just one of those things where I was like, I'm, I'm not quick enough. And matter of fact, one of the things I wanted to bring out is when I saw the other team that was against us get two X's, knowing that their next one, they were going to be out and, and how well they were playing. I said, I'm going to go into four corners defense or offense here and stall because why do I need to jeopardize my opportunity to win? I'm going to let them screw up because they had the same amount of clues as we did. And yet they had two strikes and I only had one. So I'm like, let's see how well they play this off. If they get another one, then I'll re-engage. Other than that, give me the win, people. Yeah, actually, and that worked for you, didn't it? <laughs> like a champ, which we were. Nice way to throw out the obscure sports reference that only a handful of people are going to get, the four corners offense. That's because people listen to us. I actually remember when Carolina and they could play four corners and didn't have a shot clock in basketball. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, that's kind of our quick look at uh, Shadows Amsterdam. Again, I'll play it again. I, I enjoyed it. But I, after hearing Codenames Killer, it's not a, a Codenames Killer for me. Speaking of killers, I got to teach a Kickstarter that is out right now from shoot forbidden games forbidden games thank you very much forbidden games i keep on say forbidden island that's matt leacock's game i know forbidden games extraordinary adventures pirates so they sent us that glenn drover sent us a copy of that simon said hey would y'all like to look at this and i said sure it's a pirate game next to train games enjoy me some pirates arg games and i introduce and say guys guess what I'm going to teach you a game and it's simple to learn. And I screwed it up. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, oh God. Because at this core, it looks like, it looks like a racing game. There's three tracks on the board where each of you have pirate ships, right? And you're trying to race to the end along the way. I guess you can raid merchant ships and collect some booty. Supplies, getting some some booty. booty. And then you can go into a port and convert that, that booty <laughs> to some, <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, man. I'm loving this explanation. Do <laughs> <laughs> some victory points. So wait a minute. What, what, what I need to do, what with my booty? Are you going to convert your booty <laughs> yeah. to some victory points? So off to the side, there's a there's a bunch of uh, victory point tiles. And the, uh, the resources you're collecting are different colors. And the tiles might say, hey, turn in a red, blue, and yellow, and you'll get three points. So over the course of the game, you can, you can run to a merchant ship, where it's basically just cubes on a board, collect those, go into a port, trade those in for uh, one of the victory point cards. But the thing is, Tony, when you go into a port, you're going off the main line. Mm-hmm. 
which means somebody can rush right past you in this race to rush to the end. Right. And one of the things is, as you move into the merchant ships or into the port, you also pick up additional crew members. So it is a quasi-semi deck building game where you're drawing five cards on your turn and playing three. Oh, I think it's a full deck building game. I don't know that it's quasi. Okay, it was. Fine. I mean, usually because it had culling, so that makes it deck building. And everybody's starting out with the same decks. Right. Okay, fine. It's a deck building game. Thank you. Was it a worker placement game? Not at all. Okay, because we're not placing pirates to go collect the booty that we have to take into board. So yeah, so you're you're enhancing your deck with the pirates and they give you things. Now on the pirate cards, of course, you have special text that you can either use or the movement value for a ship. Rule number one that I screwed up. I am so used to deck builders. Ascension, uh, just any deck builder where you total up the amount of resources you have to buy additional cards, like in Clank, from the pool, right? Right. And you can spend them however you want. Right. Here, though, when you play a movement card, that ship must move that amount. You can't total it up. And like if you had three twos and say, okay, that's six, I'll spend three for this ship and three for that ship. Nope, can't do that. Nope, that's wrong. That's mid-game rule correction number one. Yes, it was. And then (laughs) rule correction number two. Which was a big one. uh, Well, it could have been. It might have been. Yes. You score victory points depending on where your ship is on the three tracks that are taking you towards Trinidad, which is the final booty port. It's the finish line. It's the finish line. Okay. So anyway, whoever is first on the the red track gets 16 points. It depends on the number of players. Gets X amount of victory points. Second gets another. And third gets another. And the fourth player, whoever's in last place, get nada. Zip, zero, zilch. So you add up all the victory points from your treasures and your where you finish on the three tracks, and there is your winner, the most victory points. And I thought it was the first ship along. It wasn't the three tracks. I said, no, 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 it's, it's all three tracks, whoever's the farthest along. Well, how do we figure that out? And then Lee Shelton, who Mr. Rules, says, hand me the rules, and he's looking and says, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Well, it's so funny because all of us were like, so... Why even race on three tracks? Why not just pick one track and go as fast as you yeah. can? Nate Bivens, who's a designer, going, this game be much better if you had to race on all three tracks. And that was about when Lee said, hand me the rules. <laughs> and it was like, yes, you get points for all three tracks, not just one. We were like, oh, that makes more sense. That's why you don't want to leave two of your boats in last place on two of the tracks. So that was an asterisk. But overall, it's a racing game where you have to balance you know, your deck, when to use special cards. And, you know, it's a very light game. There's, there's some strategy in there. Don't, don't take it as, Oh, it's just a quick racing game. No, you've got to have some strategy on when you want to use certain cards. Some of the special pirate cards have negative effects. Like I, when I was playing with Donna and Rebecca, there was one where I could, if I land on their ship, I could steal cargo. That was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So I could take a cube I needed and then rush into the booty port and get some victory points if I wanted to because I matched up. You know, all in all, take a look at it. It's out on Kickstarter now. See what you think. Like I said, Forbidden Games has has put out Railroad uh, Raccoon, Railroad Tycoon, and, and now um, Extraordinary Avengers Pirates. Arg! But there's no arg in it. I just had to throw that in. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. All right, another game we got to play at Boobacue, which I was tricked on, was Hell Hydra by <laughs> Spitmaster <laughs> Limited and designed by Nick Metzler. This is a social deduction game, and I wasn't tricked. It was fully explained to me that we are going to be playing a social deduction game, and everybody knows my love for social deduction games, but I will give any of them a try. Now, this plays five to eight players, and the overall objective is this for your Hydra operatives. They are trying to destroy a city. Meanwhile, the superheroes, who all have a special power they can use once during the game, are trying to defend the city by defeating the various villains and the big bad boss at the bottom of the deck. Marty, social deduction. I was waiting for that big old punchline for me is when do I get eliminated? I think you lose that punchline actually at the beginning of this. Yes, you do. You do not get eliminated. Everybody continues playing. That's one of the neat things I will say about this game on Hell Hydra, that uh, you couldn't be eliminated. So either way, I was in for the count on this and I was Hydra. And I was, I, I was sad, believe it or not, I was kind of digging this game. I don't know. What did you think? Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You were digging 
a social deduction game? Yeah, because we were moving along. We were playing pretty fast. And um, I like the fact that you can say, hey, I'm Hydra, and you continue to do things. I enjoyed that aspect. I am surprised because you aren't a big Resistance fan. And to me, this reminds me of Resistance because at the beginning of the game, you're either, everybody has a secret. You're on one of the teams, right? You're either Hydra or you're, you're the good guys and, and you're the heroes. Even though everybody has a hero card, some of those heroes are Hydra agents or, or, or whatever. Much like in Resistance, you're contributing power each round that can do damage to the boss. You do enough damage to the boss, you kill him, and you move to the next round. Meanwhile, the boss is trying to do damage to the city. So obviously, the Hydra agents can tank it, right? right. Because there's negative cards that you can throw in. Much like BSG, Battlestar Galactica game. So there's positive numbers you can throw in to help, or negative numbers, and you just secretly put them in there. And after the round goes around, you shuffle them up and then reveal them all, then add up. And if you exceed the value that you're trying to uh, hit on the uh, the the villain, the boss, the, in it, yep. the villain, he takes damage. So to me, it's very resistance-like, even to the point where after a certain number of rounds, you can eliminate people from voting in that round. Mm-hmm. You're not a big resistance fan, right? So what made you like this one over that one? Probably the theme, and that's pretty much it, that and who we were playing with. I mean, we had a great crew playing this game, which helped it. But I did see one thing come out from a gentleman by the name of Pete Shrierey, where he kept talking a lot. And anytime you talk a lot in a resi- in a, any type of these social deduction games, I immediately say, hey, you're bad because you're trying to throw everybody off. And, mm-hmm. and, and I guess another thing about resistance games that frustrates me, I was playing straight up honest the whole time, even though I was Hell Hydra. I never lied once. And everybody's like, well, Tony's lying. I'm like, oh, I'm not lying. Tony, I, I will give you this. For a guy who doesn't like social deduction games, you threw me. At the end of the game, when the heroes ended up winning, we ended up beating the boss. And when the Hydra agents were revealed, I knew two of the three. The third one I thought was somebody else. And when you flipped your card, I was stunned. Mm. You played a Hydra agent perfectly. I had no clue. And we got lucky because in the last round, you can eliminate three people for being able to vote that round. We had deduced two and picked you, so we eliminated all the Hydra agents. It was actually an easy win for us. Another thing that frustrates me about social deduction is Mark Kell from the Scurry Report. Well, McCree gave me a bad one. Mark, I had a card that said I had to eliminate all my positives. Of course I gave you a negative card, you fool. And oh. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's one of the cool things about it is each of the superheroes have a special ability. And during your turn, you can use that special ability. One of them is like, you know, get rid of all your cards or do something special. So every game, you can play somebody different. Uh, I kind of dug this game. I'm, I'm like you, Tony. I'll play a social deduction game and like, eh. But with the different card variabilities, uh, the way the mechanics work, of, of the way you win the game, of one trying to destroy the city and the other not. And if you reveal yourself as Hydra... You get special abilities then too. You can like immediately damage the city. So being found out and revealing yourself, it can actually help your team win. Yeah. And I mean, having a timer helps a lot. And this game requires a timer. So I'm good with that. Two minutes. Two minutes. You got to get it done. You got to vote and all that. So yeah, for me, believe it or not, you see me at a convention next year and you want to play a social deduction, jump on Hell Hydra. I'll be right there for you. Go Hydra. It's Hell Hydra. Okay, fine. Hell Hydra. Five minute initiative is complete. We've been teasing about miniaturemarket.com, big Black Friday sale, where they're doing what all other stores are doing. That's right. They're going to have their Black Friday sales early. That's right. They're going to put 2,000 games on sale called Round One coming up quick. I do believe it's the 13th of November, right when this drops. So if you haven't already been out to the site, you might be a little late there because it's going to be huge. I tell you biggest sale of the year they're gonna have some of the lowest prices you've ever seen on board games but as always they're gonna come back with round two which is later it's on 11 22 and they're gonna have some relief from the map restrictions that's right y'all be sure to check it out because on round one you can definitely buy them and hold them for shipping round two comes buy you some more get that free shipping once again be sure to check it out at miniature market as we mentioned earlier in the show, we had a chance to try out Arkham Horror 3rd Edition from Fantasy Flight Games, and we were thrilled to have 
Richard Launius, the original designer of the game, to come to our house, my house, for barbecue. He came last year and he said, hey, I'll come out with you guys and hang out again. And we said, hey, Richard, while you're here, do you want to teach us third edition? He said, well, yes, I do. So he sat down with us, Tony, and taught us and ran the game of Arkham Horror third edition with us. How special is that, Tony? Not many people can say Richard Launius taught them how to play that game. I know. Man is amazing. His enthusiasm for the game continues. Uh, you know, But what's the beauty of this? If you've played Arkham Horror, if you've played Eldritch Horror, you've got the base concepts down. Shouldn't be a lot of questions uh, about that. You think so? I hope so. I mean, there's a lot of text, so there's a lot of flavor text going on here, but it's fairly straightforward. A lot of new things. Got that big old map that's now modular. Yeah, and that's one of the big, big differences in this game is the fact that with like Eldritch Horror and Arkham Horror, you had a static board. Ar uh, Arkham Horror was based in like the city of Arkham and areas around it. Eldritch Horror was a world map, pretty much. Here, it, you got four scenarios that come in the base game, and the scenario cards tell you how to lay out the map. And uh, you basically, you, you have these large tiles, uh, like each of them are neighborhoods with like locations around each of the areas, like Miskatonic University, East Town, Uptown, etc. You join those together by streets, and you build this map. And over the course of the game, you can move around between areas. That right there is one of the big pluses for me is just the fact that with this modular map, it's much like Mansions of Madness and its tiles and or either the Arkham Horror card game and the cards. You can have a different setup of the map every single time that you play. Screaming expansion, isn't it? Just screaming it. Oh, you think there may be an expansion or 12? Uh, could be a few there, but all I know is that we were rolling some dice and taking some monster names and then getting devoured. It's just because it's a little more streamlined doesn't mean it's any easier and it, and, it, and it wasn't meant to be. Now, there was a natural progression of streamlinedness, mm. which made up a word, from Arkham Horror 2nd Edition was streamlined to a version uh, Eldritch Horror. And I remember talking to them at Gen Con. They said, yeah, Eldritch Horror is kind of like your streamlined version of second edition. They said, we've even gone even further and streamlined from Eldritch Horror kind of to this one. So it's not a direct correlation between the second and third edition. They're drastically different with maybe Eldritch Horror in between uh, those two. Much like those other games, you're going to get an investigator. Uh, you're going to have uh, abilities for each of those investigators. You've got D6 dice that you're going to roll to try to measure your successes just in basic mode. If you roll a five or six, you have a success. You count the number of successes you had that may make a difference in, in the game. On your turn, you could take up to two actions. I mean, those actions that you've seen in the past, you can attack a monster if it's on. You can evade a monster. You can move. You can gather resources. Uh, you can try to remove doom from the board. There's a, there's a way to do that. So each of these actions you're going to be taking each, each round of the game. You can take turns in any order. And then once you're done... Much like like Eldritch Horror, where you have encounters, Tony, where whatever location that you're at, you're going to draw a card from that location, and you're going to have an encounter with it. And I did. <laughs> and this is where your flavor text comes in, Tony, because oh. there's going to be a little thing of text reads to you, and you're going to have to test your will, your strength, your investigation, or your observation, or whatever. Uh, you're going to have to test that roll a certain number of dice based on whatever your stats are, and if you succeed... Usually something good happens, and if you don't, usually something bad happens. Let me get this straight. I can move, I can fight, I can gather clues, I can up this, up that to help me. You can focus. You can yeah, focus. You can focus, which is it, which is increase your base stat by basically adding another die that you can roll. Every time you make a test with that skill check. Right, and then uh, the whole object of the game is to beat down the big baddie, and he's sending out people to devour me up. And mm -hmm. the way I'm doing that is if certain tokens get on him, doom tokens, then the end of the world is coming. If I gather enough clues, I can beat him down for a final battle, which we didn't see. I guess that's how the game ends. Is that how the game ends? Uh, yeah, somewhat. But here's the thing. The beauty of this is with scenarios, every scenario is different. Mm. So uh, obviously there's going to be clues involved. Every single Arkham game is about gathering clues. And in this particular situation, 
situation. Uh, you went to a certain location that had clue tokens in the uh, the middle. You hoped that the encounter card that you were going to have was one of the clue cards. So you can gather that clue and then you can take an action, a research action, another one you can do to try to move that clue token maybe over to the scenario card. Depending on the scenario, those those clues can do different things. In the, in the first game, you're just trying to get enough cards on that clue to change your codex. Again, here's something new in the game. Each scenario has a codex set up where you're going to start out with a couple cards in play that kind of tells you some of the things that you're going to be able to do during the game. The thing I love about this, Tony, is you don't know how to win the game until you start playing it. Yes. With some of the other games, it's like, oh, well, you need to achieve this objective, and if you do, you win. Here, you just need to start walking around, investigating, gathering enough clues. And with the first scenario, once you gather enough, it's revealed to you, oh, by the way, for you to win this scenario, you need to do this. I really like that because you didn't know what you're going to have to do until you started playing. So, yes, I agree with you. Now, I mean, for me, Marty, I, I look at it like Arkham is such, you know, a classic. Uh, people who enjoy Arkham, sh- they're sitting here thinking, should we go ahead and purchase number three? But I, I, I'll let you answer this because I personally do not own an Arkham game other than Elder Signs. Don't you own Mansions of Madness but never played it? I've played it. Okay. I forget I own it. Because I haven't seen it in a while. Okay. Um, I'm surprised the iPad can still run it, uh, the app that goes with it. But either way, if I were said, if, if I went up to you and if someone would ask me which one, because I have played the original, I've played the original with you or two, I forget which one we will play. The, the second one, second, second one. edition, yeah. I would say if you've never played Arkham, I believe you should definitely invest in. I mean, I think it should be in your collection. And But I don't think I ever want to play that game with six people. I think that uh, four. It's got to be four. It's got to be either three or four. Yeah. There's one negative about this game that I'm not that crazy about, and it's a brand new thing. It's the Mythos bag. Typically, in like a Eldritch Horror, you, during the Mythos phase, there's a card that will be flipped up, and there's like icons up at the top to resolve things. Maybe a gate opens. Maybe you add a doom to the track. It's kind of a, a quick thing. You resolve it, and you and you move on. Same thing with uh, Arkham Horror, the card game. Uh, when you go into the Mythos phase, each, each of you pick up an encounter card, you resolve it, you move on. With this game, you have a token bag. Now, the token bag in the card game is used for skill checks. There's no dice in that game. This is a different type of bag. The scenario tells you to put X amount of tokens in the bag, and they all do different things. During the Mythos phase, each player draws two tokens and resolves them. Maybe you open up and it's an anomaly where Doom tokens are added to an entire neighborhood. Or there's one that says just add a Doom token to the track. There's uh, an event deck that's out in, in play. And you take the top card of that deck and you flip it over and it tells you where to put a, uh, a Doom token. The good tokens are clues. Uh, with the clues, you pull a card from that same event deck and it tells you where in the neighborhood that clue is going to go. And this is kind of neat. That clue card then gets mixed in with the encounter deck of that neighborhood. So let's say it's Miskatonic University. You'll take that new clue card, take the top two cards of the Miskatonic deck, shuffle them, uh, not shuffle them, uh, shuffle those three cards together and lay them back on top. So you know one of those three cards on that area will give you that clue. So it gives you incentive to go over there and get it. There's other things to do. It spawns monsters. There's there's monster tokens. And then there's like a token that just does nothing. There's one called headline where you pull up a headline card and you read a headline. It usually takes a test. So you see, there's a lot of things that can happen, right, Tony? Mm-hmm. So with every player resolving two tokens, to me, the game really slowed down at that point. And you're right. With six players, that means you're drawing 12 tokens out of that bag. Each one of those has to be resolved before you can start playing again. That was the thing I was not as big of a fan of. And I mean, even with Richard doing running the game for us, he was short-living it. He was doing quick paraphrasing. So that was telling me something right there. I mean, don't get me wrong here, uh, everyone. It's fun. I mean, it's a challenge. This is a hard cooperative game. It is up there with Robinson Hardness. It is out there. It, it is the next level for your pandemic co-op if you've never played it. It is one of those games, I think, that if your group is ready to move on and you want a challenge, plop this thing on the table because you know more goodness is coming. So, yeah, I'm with you there. That mythos face... I was getting up, checking out other games, talking to yep. people during BooBooQ while y'all resolved it. I was like, oh, p- pick me. I want to do Mythos first so I can get mine out of the way. 
Yeah, and, and see, that's the thing is, it's just the Mythos phase moves quicker in Eldritch than it, than it does in this one. And the game plays one to six players. Even Richard said, you know what? This game is really best with four or less players. Mm-hmm. You get to do more things on your turn. Uh, there's less downtime, obviously. Oh, and by the way, with, with the token bag, once you've emptied all the tokens out of the bag, they just go back in the bag. So you can kind of, you also kind of know what's coming, too. You know that, oh, we've drawn this many monster tokens out, so we know there's like this many monster tokens left in the bag. That's kind of good because you can plan for it. But still, that's the biggest negative me was the Mythos token bag, which is also one of the biggest changes. But with everything else, I think I do like this better. I know I know, I do like this better. Well, do you want to have a discussion with yourself on whether you like it better or not? I don't know, Marty. What do you think? Well, Marty... What do you think with it compared to Eldritch Horror? Well, Marty, that's a good question. And even though I may like the mythos phase of Eldritch Horror better, yeah, go ahead and continue, Marty. Um, I wasn't ever crazy about the setting of Eldritch Horror. I didn't like the idea of it being a world-based game. I like it kind of localized to Ar- Arkham. Marty, I kind of I kind of tend to agree with you. I kind of like the Arkham-based uh, locations too. So with third edition, you've gone back to it, everything taking place in Arkham. So with the modular map and it being placed in Arkham, I will now play this one over Eldritch Har. Marty, that, those are good points, and I, I can't I can't disagree with that. I really think you could probably do the podcast without me. <laughs> so here's the thing, Tony. Yeah, Vanessa is a huge, huge yeah. Lovecraftian fan. Yeah, she will play anything that has the Arkham Horror Lovecraftian theme in it. I asked her, what would you rather play? She said, oh, no doubt. Leave Eldritch Horror on the shelf. Give me Arkham. And it's part of the same reason. She just likes the setting better. Also, she feels the narrative of this game is way better. I know you don't like flavor text, Tony, but sometimes it really does help a game, and I think it helped a game here. The story is more engaging. With those codex cards you have at the beginning of the game that kind of drives the story, and those codex cards are are almost like the detective cards from Portal Games, where you read a card, and then it says, hey, get this card and read this one. It's kind of that same sort of effect. Hey, when you flip this card over, go grab this card, read that card. So the story is kind of driven like that, uh, which I appreciate. But then I asked her the tough question. I said, Vanessa... If you had a choice between Mansions of Madness and Arkham Horror 3rd Edition, which one? Then she had to pause, and she had to think for quite a long time. She finally decided, I think at this point, 3rd Edition. She said maybe because it's newer, but as much as people love app-driven games, she says, I honestly like no app involved at all. She says, I just like cards on the table and tokens on the table and playing that way. So then, Tony, I have to ask this. I asked myself, I said, Marty, which, which would you rather play? And granted, Mansions of Madness is way easier to set up. This game still has some setup time. You're sorting cards, you're setting up the decks, and blah, blah, blah. I think it's, it's quicker than Eldritch by far, but there's still some setup time, and it's longer than Mansions. But after a while, I get kind of tired of dealing with the app, and I'm almost kind of clicking through the app. I'm not even reading the text anymore. So, all right, what's my test? What's my test? And also there's no prediction. Sometimes you'll go into a fight, Tony, on the Mansions of Madness, and you don't know what you're going to be testing. Maybe it's strength. Maybe it's agility. Here, when you go into a fight, it's much like the monsters in Eldritch Horror. You know exactly. If I want to invade, I'm going to be testing... Ah, uh, gosh, not every, it's not agility. It's, it's whatever the other one was. And if you're going to be fighting, you're going to be testing your, your strength. And it's you always know exactly what the fight's going to be. With mansions, you really don't know that. So at this point in time, maybe because it is newer, I think I like Arkham more. No, I can understand that. I, I mean, you know, from my side of it, I'm, I will definitely put Arkham Horror on the table. Probably because my setup time is going to be the same between the two because I still have to reattach the monsters in mansions. <laughs> now that is one pot some people may like mansions because of the miniatures yeah you do have these super sweet miniatures that are fun to play with and move around here it's just all card based all monsters are cards all your characters are cards so you don't have that it doesn't maybe look as good on the table so here's the thing if you're a big arkham horror fan you're a big mansions fan i think you owe it to yourself to at least try third edition if you like elder try i definitely recommend trying it see which one you like better and you'll just have to decide on yourself, which game do you prefer between Mansions and Arkham Horror 3rd? To your point about the miniatures, there's so many third-party miniatures. I mean, Richard had all the miniatures for the investigator. You can buy all that stuff, but but you're not paying for the miniatures on the upfront of this game. So you can say, hey, I like it. No, I don't like it. And then, you know, add to it as you want to. Arkham Horror 3rd Edition, I'm, I'm glad it came out. Uh, Richard was kind of 
ready for it to come out. He said uh, they've been planning on third edition for a while. And Richard said that Arkham Horror second edition has still made so much money year after year that they just kept pushing it off. So they finally got to the point. All right, let's just go ahead and do it. And uh, they did it. So Arkham Horror second edition has gone. You can't buy it anymore. It's done. So if you have it and you don't get rid of it, unless you just think you'll never play it again. For me, there are some nitpicky things. It doesn't really play that much shorter. Uh, some people wanted to play short. It really doesn't. I think it is easier to teach. I'm not a big fan of the mythos phase, but everything else I do like more than the other games, Tony. Okay. And for me, if we're going to play a game at Halloween, I think I'm going to lean towards Arkham Horror third edition as well as the game for me to drag out on the table. Fairly straightforward to teach. It's up a level from Elder Sign, which my wife loves. So I know she'll enjoy that. And it's fairly simple to understand the various tests that you're needed. And I like the aspect of the unknown on how to win at the end. So definitely give Arkham Horror third edition a try and also look at it for any potential sales because it's something you should add to your collection. And for the month of October, Tony, it was the number one selling game at Miniature Market. No shock here. Essen is over, and Ignacy from Portal Games had an incredible keynote where he announced Portal Games coming in 2019 that he would not really tease here on the show. He had to wait till he got to Essen. Sorry, dog. Tony, check this out. 51, 51 state. Oh my gosh. 51st state. I am, I am losing it. 51st state expansion allies. You and I are big 51st state fans. So that's uh, one we'll be definitely interested in. Alien Artifacts has a brand new expansion coming out called A Breakthrough. Oh, Tony, this is one he did talk about with this Robinson Crusoe Mystery Tales. Yes, very excited about that. Matter of fact, I've been seeing on Amazon a lot of low prices on Robinson. So definitely check that out if you're interested in picking up a good copy of Robinson there at a cheap price. And Detective did super well at Essen. I know all the German copies were sold. I'm not sure if all the English copies were sold out. And to follow that up, he has his first expansion called la crimes i'm excited about this because this is an 80s crime story so i'm expecting an all miami vice sort of thing where everybody's wearing ray-bans and you got your collar flipped up with your members only jacket can't wait for that one and will you have your white jacket with the sleeves pushed up oh yeah we're going to do the full don johnson okay very good then and that portalgamespl slash en and also he announced that stronghold undead i was almost in tears I was like, oh my gosh, there it is. There it is. And here's the thing. It's a standalone expansion. That's right. So for the longest time, we thought this was going to be an add-on to the base game. This is a game on its own with a brand new board. How exciting is that? So you don't even need to own the first version of the game. If you want to play it, you can just pick this one up. I can't wait for this. Tony, this is still one of my favorite two-player asymmetric games. I agree with you. But I think we've gone on long enough with this portal games.pl slash en commercial so let's end it there all right you mentioned it back in the arkham horror thing it was number one arkham horror was number one on the sale list yay go team what's november because you've already released that video haven't you yeah i think you would have wouldn't you Huh? 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 No, the video that's released in November where I count down the top 10 list is for the previous month. So the one I just released is for October because I don't know what the top selling game is in November because it's not over yet. But I'm talking about when you release it in November would have been for October. I understood that fact over at Miniature Market. I understand that they sent you that and you did your long distance dedication, which I'm that was that was another good story. I'll give you that for October. No, thank you. Thank you. I didn't write it, but yeah, it was I good. know. But I mean, it was, it was it was tugged at the hearts a little bit there. Yeah, you know? yeah, it was. So if you ha- if you didn't check it out, be sure to go over to our YouTube channel where Marty is releasing these videos about Halloween decorations with my favorite guy, Kay, the ghost. I love the ghost. <laughs> Kay. 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 He's yeah, so I put out a little video of uh, some of the Halloween decorations that we had over, over Halloween. They're already gone, Tony. Like the day next day, poof, Vanessa's like, all right, let's take all this stuff down. Christmas is going up, so we've already got Christmas and Thanksgiving up. Yep, 20 plus trees getting ready to hit the floor. <laughs> no, those aren't up yet, but uh, yeah, so we, we had to get, get everything down from that. So yeah, if you want to check out our my top 10 videos from Miniature Market, you can do so at our uh, YouTube page, Roll Dice Take Names, and we also post all of our episodes there if you want to listen to the episode um Online at uh, YouTube. And someday I'll post one for 2018. I don't think I've posted one yet. It's up there with my Instagram account. (laughs) (laughs) 
Speaking of 2018, we're actually starting to wind down 2018. And it's hard to imagine. We've ha- we have an annual tradition every year. Yes, we do. Barbecue, and we've already talked about it. Not that one. Okay. Um, where we sit there and deliberate over our squirrely awards. That will be happening soon, but not that one. It wouldn't be that survey I'm responsible for, would it? I think it is that survey you're responsible for. Oh, the annual survey where we go out to our listening audience and say, what do you think? Can I just, maybe I'll just do that one question. <laughs> That's, it's, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy. What do you what think? Because we've eliminated a lot of them from last year. We don't really care how you're listening. We just will hope you're listening. We don't care what, uh, what was it? Are you doing it through this? How are you getting notifications? You wanted to do this. Doesn't point. matter. Yeah. That, that stuff stays pretty much static year after year. So we're actually going to make this a little bit easier from that standpoint. But <laughs> what do you think? I'm liking it. <laughs> so the whole purpose of the survey is just get a little bit of feedback. You know, did we introduce any segments this year? I can't remember whether we did or not. Do you like to hear about lawnmowers? You know, just various things that we just kind of get some feedback from those who listen to the show, what they like, uh, what they dislike. And we take all that stuff to heart because we want to tailor a show that's fun for people to listen to. And it's also a great way for us to do a contest. That's right, people. The survey will be out there. It'll be on a Google form. It's located over on our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. You'll go over there, click on the link. It'll take you to a Google form where you will answer the questions. It's It will be. We're not kidding. It is a short, short survey. And you'll need to enter your uh, email address. And we will contact you. We are going to pick three, count them, three lucky winners this year. Two winners will each receive a $25 gift card from Miniature Market. Congratulations to those winners. And a special surprise for a game that we'll be talking about in a future episode episode impact the brother of strike has finally arrived that's right that's right and we finally have the dice game that i've been waiting for where a theme really matters i'm letting everybody stop laughing (laughs) we'll talk about it in the next show but that's right you will have the opportunity to win impact however i will say that this game will be cheaper than if we have to ship it across seas so this is for our u.s audience so when i select i will make sure that uh u.s resident will get that game and then the 25 dollars gift cards will go to anybody for miniature dice in a bowl is no more it's that's right elements in the universe and i'm all into this theme tony this is it this is the winner i can't see how dice are gladiators but I can see how dice are elements. Are we going to swap roles here? Are you going to stand up for elements in the universe and I'm going to be like... Well, this makes total sense. you got elements bouncing off against each other and they're colliding and they're disappearing and you have the big bang where stuff is created. It, it just makes total sense. Okay, I'll let you go ahead and believe that where it's simply you're dropping dice in a small bowl. I mean, this is, this is the perfect size for cereal. This new stadium? No, 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 no. It's it, it, it's like a black hole. You know, it's like a a black hole. You know, the the star at the center of the black hole is very small. It's very small and dense. That's what this is replicating. That dense core of of dark energy and dark matter, where elements are combating against each other. All right, we'll talk about this on a future episode. We'll talk about this on episode number one five nine which is also our episode where we're going to talk about Marty's adventures at BGG Con. That's right. I'll be heading out to BGG Con when this episode releases. I probably will have some stories to share, maybe. I uh, know I won't be watching you there sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> like I did for Gen Con. Thank goodness. Yep, you and Rodney Smith just laying over there, snoring it up. Meanwhile, I'm up thinking, hmm, how can we silence those two? <laughs> Yeah, we are never rooming together again. That's over. Um, I understand that. So big thanks. So be sure to check it out. The survey will go on uh, for the... Uh, for about a month, that's uh, November and December. We'll um, definitely have the f- final dates in our next show. So be sure to enter that if you want a chance at those three items, prizes, contests. By the way, if you are a pod pledge backer, you are automatically entered in that, but we would still love your opinions about the show. Need to hear from you so we can make it better. Just whatever, Marty, have a great time at BGG Con. If you see him there, say hi. Yeah, please do. I'll probably have some moon pies if I remember to pack them. I think it's time for us to move on. 
from the moon pie. Not when people keep coming up to me and say, do you have a moon pie? Mm. I can't disappoint her now. I know. That's true. Well, be sure to go to, uh, and get you the mini moon pies. Those are easier to pack. I- I'll do that. I'm, I'm jealous that you're going, but while you're there, be sure to keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening. There's only a few months left in this year's Pod Pledge campaign where you can go out, earn dice, a t-shirt, or a mason jar. You can go check that out at podpledge.com slash RDTN. And don't forget to join our BGG Guild 1589. We will, we will rock you. We will, we will rock you. Tony, have you been out to the BrokenToken.com site lately? They've totally updated that thing. Yes, I have, Marty. It looks gorgeous. It's easier to, to navigate. It looks good. It's quicker. And you can go there and see what their latest items are like. You can pre-order the founders of Gloomhaven organizer right now. They made that gorgeous Gloomhaven yep. insert for Gloomhaven, which makes sense. It's a great, good reason to name it that. And Tony, you actually have that one. Yes, I do. And one of these days, we're going to get that game back out, relearn it, and play it because we will do that. It's one of those many games, but you're right. I should really get that thing organized so it'll be easy to set up, teach. Okay. Broken Token is not letting me teach games easier. They're letting me set it up easier. Come on, Broken Token. What are you doing? <laughs> That's right. And so now with their new fan founders of Gloomhaven Organizer come out, you can now organize Isaac's next big game in the Gloomhaven universe. But not only that, they have game components. They have accessories for miniature gaming and just accessories in general like dice towers and paint holders and, and deck holders. So make sure to go check out their website, the brand new website at thebrokentoken.com. Mm-hmm.